sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Well, if there are two things that we don't generally think of as going together, it is religious freedom and the Middle East. And yet, hmm, well, our guest today, Brian Grimm, serves as president of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. And I was very interested in an email Brian sent out, I want to say maybe early December of last year. So, Brian, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. It's great to be with you. Glad to be back again. Middle East Breakthrough. Business leaders pledge support for religious freedom. Uh, You know, as we're in the recording today, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen between uh, the U.S. and, and Iran. Freedom and peace are not necessarily, you know, the front page news here. But tell us about the meeting that you were participating in and what it suggests for religious freedom in that part of the world. Well, you're right. The headlines of today with the tensions uh, just spiraling uh, upward between the United States, Iran, and in the region, uh, it's an unlikely headline that there was a breakthrough for religious freedom in the Middle East. But uh, one of the countries right on uh, the front line of these tensions is Bahrain, the Kingdom of Bahrain. Uh, It's a small, more or less island country right off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Um, it's a majority Sunni country, though it has a very large Shiite minority. Uh, part of the tensions in Bahrain historically have been that that Shiite minority has had connections to Iran, which of course is uh, a Shiite majority Islamic Republic. So in Bahrain, the, the real breakthrough has been, you could say, centuries in the making, uh, because the, uh, the climate in Bahrain for People of different faiths is very open. Uh, Bahrain has made its business before the oil uh, through trading, and it was really a trading hub for the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Europe. So some of the very first um, trade practices that were happening with the region were done through Bahrain. And so they have historic Hindu communities, Jewish community, Christian communities, um, Sikh communities, a whole variety of different faith groups have been there through um, many more than a hundred years uh, trading. In fact, the uh, organization that has the first PO box. So, if you want to know what is the very first organization that got mail in Bahrain, it's the Christian Missionary, uh, the American Christian Mission Hospital in Bahrain, which has been operating there for well over a hundred years. And continues to operate, and it's one of the main health care centers in the country. So in this... So you're saying that Bahrain has had all of these different faith groups, and they've enjoyed a measure of freedom? Because I know, I mean, I'm looking at the map, and uh, I mean, it's literally nestled near the coast of Saudi Arabia, which is a country where Christians are not free to participate in public worship, to build churches and such. So uh, there's a bridge that actually connects Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, 
And if you go there on a weekend, so uh, Friday is the day of worship, and that's when the churches in Bahrain celebrate Sabbath rather than Sunday, you'll see you know hundreds and perhaps even more people coming across that bridge every week to take advantage of the religious freedom in Bahrain that isn't present in Saudi Arabia. So the breakthrough that happened in December was the business community uh, came together recognizing that they have been the powerful force supporting this interfaith freedom in Bahrain, because what has brought about that freedom is that people from different countries bringing their different faiths to be part of the economic growth of the country is what's made it into a pluralistic society where, um, by and large, uh, whatever your faith is, you can find a place to express it and practice it in the kingdom. And I suspect that that has made Bahrain uh, prosper economically in ways different from some of its neighbors. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we had the first regional international religious freedom business roundtable in Bahrain. And as part of that, we had people from different countries from the Middle East coming. And one of the stories that many of the business people from Bahrain shared was that, you know, before the oil, they were there, they were building a community of support between faiths. So one of the leading Jewish business owners in Bahrain was friends with some of the wealthiest businessmen in, in the country. But, you know, 50 years ago, it was still very dirt poor. There wasn't a lot of boom from the oil. And people were finding it very difficult just to get their businesses off the ground. And so, um, you know, they, they talked about their personal stories of helping each other out in downtimes in the business, not just lending, but personally helping each other. And, and that's part of the story of Bahrain is that these people from different faiths were part of helping the indigenous population learn business and become the successful country it is today. Well, so. I just Googled the, the entire population of the country is only about a million and a half people. Right. I'm wondering if the small size of the country contributes to helping uh, pluralism function effectively there. Small population does make it possible to uh, manage society in a different way than, say, a large population like the United States, China, or Brazil. Uh, but it's not completely a function of size. Uh, we do see other small countries like Singapore, which is the most religiously diverse country uh, in the world, having uh, worked out a very good system of interfaith cooperation within the country, and we see that in Bahrain. Uh, but it also has to do with the attitude towards uh, the value of having a diverse uh, society, a diverse workforce. So in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, they view pluralism, diversity as a threat to their kingdom, whereas in neighboring uh, United Arab Emirates, similar to Bahrain, they view it as uh, as strength. Uh, some of that comes from both of the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain having made their initial foray into the global world through trading, through uh, diving for oysters and, and pearls. Um, so they had more of a trading culture. And so that would feed into to this disposition. So I think any country where they've had contact uh, with the outside world uh, and in significant and positive ways uh, is a good candidate for seeing pluralism as a benefit to their societies. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying with pluralism being closely linked 
with um, a trading type of economy and business orientation. And I'm wondering about the government of Bahrain, because across the globe these days, we're really in a period where democracy is in decline. And there's considerable concern that the decline of democracy also carries with it a decline in religious tolerance and freedom, a decline in pluralism. Uh, talk to us about the government of Bahrain and, and how does that interplay with the pluralism there? Well, you're right. Uh, democracy tends to be highly uh, correlated with interest and respect of religious freedom. So Bahrain, in that case, would be somewhat of an exception because it's not a uh, full democracy. Instead, it's a country ruled by a king. Uh, they have some elected councils, but it's a monarchy. So that if you have a monarch who sees the value of these things and they have um, sort of a, a monopoly on the power, uh, then they can institute these policies. Uh, and unfortunately, not every king or uh, monarch sees the world that way. Others see it uh, as, um, you know, a country just for us and keeping the them outside the country. So uh, even though the Bahrain isn't a democracy, uh, it, it's benefiting from uh, the personal experiences and insights uh, their current leader has, who, uh, along with his father and his, the previous um, rulers, uh, have had such a good positive um, experience from interacting with people of different faiths. So uh, you had this roundtable there and a meeting of government officials and religious leaders from across the region. Uh, what were the outcomes and hope for encouragement that the experience in Bahrain would somehow have an influence on, on other countries in the region? I can say some of the short-term outcomes and then the long-term. So on the short-term, uh, it was groundbreaking in that we had both religious and uh, business leaders from Israel coming to Bahrain. So in, in a number of countries in the Middle East, uh, they don't even recognize uh, the right of Israel to exist. And this is one of the um, dangers with Iran. It actually has a state policy, the eradication of uh, Israel. So in Bahrain, uh, having Israeli clergy come, uh, the chief mufti, the chief, I'm sorry, chief rabbi from Jerusalem came. We had uh, some business leaders. We had a head of a large uh, medical company uh, come who had just been recognized by both President Bush and President Clinton uh, for her humanitarian work. Um, she came and so that, that, you know, that in itself is a breakthrough that in this time when some countries in the Middle East are arguing to eradicate Israel. Uh, another country in the Middle East is opening their doors. Uh, so that that in itself is an outcome. In terms of the, the long-term outcomes, this now has, you could say, put a, uh, a stake in the ground or, you know, there's a, now a new flag flying that says, look, the Middle East, uh, there are places in the Middle East that do stand for tolerance at the very minimum. But beyond that, for mutual understanding, appreciation, and uh, religious freedom, uh, perhaps not exactly like uh, we practice it in the United States, but certainly for the region, it's, uh, it's quite a level of uh, religious freedom. Well, I certainly hope that this will continue and expand 
do you have plans to do other types of roundtables there in the Middle East? Yeah, so this was the first. We planned two more in the coming 12 months in Bahrain. Uh, and then we're looking to expand this to other uh, other countries in the region. So we had uh, participants from a number of uh, countries from the region, including, as I mentioned, Israel, Lebanon. We had from Russia, even some uh, religious leaders from there a bit outside the Middle East. Uh, so through these networks, we're looking to expand this um, not only discussion, but practical resources. So one of the things that my foundation does is help to train businesses on um, tolerance and really religious inclusion within the workplace. Uh, so many companies are now seeing that that is really good for the bottom line. Uh, so we're looking not just to have, you could say, gab fests, but actual um, outcomes that involve uh, companies and countries uh, doing things differently than they have in the past. Well, thank you so much. Our guest today, Brian Grimm, president of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. Brian, we're definitely going to have to have you back and, and update us on efforts to promote religious freedom in the Middle East. Thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Glad to be with you. As we close, remember, friends, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help and we represent workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. Be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.